have some announcements. Oof, I like announcements. Yes. Uh, we are now officially on Amazon Music. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. Um, we also have a website. I feel like we never remember to mention. <laughs> or we yeah. do, like, in passing. It's usually, like, the emails. FYI, email us your funny stories, scary yeah. stories, whatever stories. I would love to read them. Yeah, so we do have a website. You can check us out at R-T-B-A. Oh, <laughs> I had to really think about that for a second. I do too. <laughs> I do too every single time. RT, uh, the <laughs> I'm like, what, what are we called? I don't know. It's reasons to be afraid of the dark dot CA. Is it dot CA yeah, or is it dot com? It is dot CA. Yeah, it'd be dot CA, I think. We're really good at this, guys. <laughs> we, know, we know what we're doing. You know, just like the rest of us, trying to figure it out one day at a time. Yeah, I was right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. R-T-B-A-O-T-D dot C-A. Click that link. Um, and you, there's a submission form there. If you want to submit your own true crime or paranormal stories, you can also listen to our latest episodes there. And then also, apologies for the wonky mic quality in the last couple episodes. Um, this is what happens when I don't edit things right away and then <laughs> record another podcast is I don't realize when the cat... Uh, accidentally touches a dial. <laughs> no! And it turned down. <laughs> and yeah, so it me. sounds uh, like my mic quality just went like tinny and like the gain was cranked up. It was awful. It was a bad Ooh. time. Yeah. Uh, apologies, friends. Yeah. So like I fixed it as best I could, but it's not great. So I'm so sorry. Me? It happens. But it's better now. <laughs> Alrighty, that is it for my announcements. Sweet, sweet. Don't think I have any. I don't either. Uh, so welcome to 1001 Reasons to be Afraid of the Dark. Uh, let's get the show on the road. Hold on to your seats. Uh, oh, what are you snacking on today? Ooh, uh, yesterday we... <laughs> I uh, decided to go for a candy run, so nice. I totally ate some Kit Kats and some Starburst. Um, but that's an interesting combination, but I'm here for it. <laughs> Gotta have that variety. <laughs> I've got freshly baked chocolate chip cookies and milk. Ooh, mm -hmm. Cookie Monster like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Alrighty, do you want to go first? Uh, you go first. Okay. Um, this is the story of Michelle McNeil. So Michelle Summers was a model and former beauty queen living in Pleasant Grove, Utah. She had a younger sister who absolutely adored her. Um, and as a child, she did really well in school. She played the violin. She was athletic and popular. Uh, Michelle met her husband, Martin McNeil, at a local signals event for Mormons. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Okay. Uh, she Mormon's married... getting down. Yeah. <laughs> she married Martin when she was 21, and they immediately started having children and growing their family. She gave birth to four kids within the first five years of their marriage. Oh, shit. <laughs> Get to it, folks. <laughs> yep. Uh, her friends, relatives, and children knew that her family was her world. Um, and the couple even later adopted four more children. 
three of which were from the Ukraine. Whoa. Yeah. Hmm. So that's, it's a lot of kids. Yeah. Good for you. (laughs) (laughs) So we have this lovely Mormon model mother with eight kids. Her husband, Martin, was both a lawyer and a doctor. Oh. Like, not like a PhD doctor. I mean, like, a medical physician. Whoa. Yeah, that's a lot of school either way. Never mind a drastic career change with even more schooling. While raising eight kids. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So it was one boy and seven girls. Which, I don't... It's not like having more girls or more boys makes one better than the other. It just... When it's, I don't know why, but when it's, like, a vastly different number of one over the other, it always seems like it would be more hectic. Definitely could be. But, I mean, it's eight kids, it's gonna be hectic regardless. Well, like, my grandma, she had 11, so. Yeah. um, I I still can't fathom. Can't fathom. One of my grandmothers had 11, 12, 13. Some, like unreasonable number of siblings i just like all i know is that like my grandma was catholic so that's just kind of what you did <laughs> you had large family <laughs> that's fair yeah my uh that grandmother was baptist oh, okay yeah um yes yeah, so one boy and seven girls uh he was described as a man who walked into a room and immediately took it over um so he had like this presence about him um, he was very confident in himself um, but because of his titles, he did see himself as above everyone else. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mr. Cocky. But, I mean, like, you're a doctor and a lawyer, you probably deserve that, right? Um, yeah. No, <laughs> I respect I mean, that. Head. Yeah. Hard work pays off, but still. Yeah. Um, you do, you can still be a but yes, <laughs> apparently he w- didn't have a whole lot of humility. Oh, Um, So when Martin turned 50, his daughters remember noticing a change in his behavior. He became very conscientious of his appearance. He would start going to tanning salons. He started losing a lot of weight. And then, out of the blue, told Michelle that she should get a facelift. (gasps) Oh, well, I never. Rude. Yeah. Now, Michelle had never mentioned a facelift before or any type of plastic, plastic surgery at all. She was gorgeous and definitely didn't need it um but nevertheless martin booked her in for a full facelift as soon as possible oh my god yeah uh prior to the surgery he met with the plastic surgeon and gave him a list of medications he wanted prescribed to michelle for post-op care um there were five central nervous system depressants valium ambien phenergan percocet and lortab now, these should never be taken at the same time. <laughs> I don't say. <laughs> and are among some of the most misused prescription drugs. So just for funsies, um, here are some side effects and dangers of each drug, even when taken by themselves as prescribed by a competent doctor. No, you're drugs, folks. <laughs> Let's start with Percocet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Perks. You got me lifted. Side effects include, but are not limited to, respiratory arrest, shallow breathing, circulatory depression, low blood pressure, confusion, hallucinations, seizures, vomiting, inability to feel pain, itching, dry mouth, jaundice, and death. 
those are just like your regular side effects. Pickle uh, bag of fine it. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, we have Ambien. Uh, with a rapid heartbeat, impaired vision, slowed breathing, memory loss, inability to concentrate, disorientation, emotional blunting, nightmares, anxiety, extreme sedation, insomnia, addiction, and suicide. Oof. Valium is typically given for the treatment of anxiety, seizures, and alcohol withdrawal. Side effects include loss of balance, memory problems, drooling, slurred speech, itching, drowsiness, and fatigue, muscle weakness, hallucinations, and depression. Oof. Uh, Fenergan is a, I think that's how you say it. I've, I had never heard of this before. Um, is a lesser known name to most nowadays as it has been continued, discontinued in the U S and Canada. Um, so it was used to treat motion sickness after surgery, as well as to calm down more severe allergic reactions, like major oh. rashes and itching. Kind of like the gravel family. Yeah. But like way more way intense, way more intense. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, because its side effects are drowsiness, dizziness, anxiety, blurred vision, ringing in your ears, impotence, swelling, loss of the ability to orgasm. Uh, it specifically Ooh. warns not to be taken with any sedatives, narcotics, sleeping pills, muscle relaxers, seizures medications, anxiety medications, and a long list of other medications. Um, which, like, is everything we just listed. Um, finally, we have Lortab, which is a combination pain reliever that contains acetaminophen, and is a narcotic slash opiate. It should not be taken with any other products that include acetaminophen or any other medications that slow your breathing. So all of these medications specifically say they should never be taken with each other, and yet, here we are. Please speak to your doctor if you have any questions about any of the prescribed medications Chelsea just listed. <laughs> or just that you're on. If you ever have questions about what you're on, always ask your pharmacist and your doctor. <laughs> Um, so anyway, Michelle comes home from her unwanted surgery with her new face. Um, have you ever seen that German horror movie called Mother? I think it was German. I've heard of it. I've heard of it. Yeah, like, she has two boys. She comes home with, like, her entire head bandaged up from plastic surgery, and the kids are convinced she's a different person who got plastic surgery to look exactly like her mother. Ooh. Ooh. It was wildly unsettling. Yeah, it was terrifying. Um, anyway, that's what I pictured when I first read about this story. <laughs> What? It's me. I am your mother. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's basically it. And the kids are like, no, no, you're creepy. We're going to go over here now. <laughs> um, so Michelle's surgery took place April 3rd, 2007. And one of her daughters, Alexis, was in her first year of medical school at the time, but was home on a break. She reported that her mother looked bad and in a lot of pain when she came home. Then her father told her to leave and that he would take care of Michelle's medications. Alexis returned the next morning to find her mother completely sedated. When she confronted Martin about it, he said he had accidentally given her too much medicine. And when she threw up, he gave her more. <gasps> Mind her, this man is a doctor. Alexis firmly told her father that she would be giving Michelle the medications from now on. You go, girl. Yeah, take control. Michelle was still wearing eye patches from the surgery, so she couldn't see anything. She asked Alexis to put a pill in her hand one at a time so she could feel them and try to memorize each pill by touch. This way she would know if Martin ever gave her something he shouldn't. So that that situation would never happen again. Uh, so Michelle was recovering well over the next few days in Alexis's care. 
but Alexis did have to return to medical school. Michelle's final request to her daughter was, quote, If anything happens to me, make sure it wasn't your dad. (gasps) Which, that's comforting. Um, A couple days later, Martin returned home from work as usual, picked up their youngest, I don't know if it's Ada or Ada. Oh, Ada. I'm going with Ada uh, from school, and then the two returned home. He told Ada to go see how her mother was feeling that evening, so she happily ran in to greet her mother. Ada was six years old and found her mother dead in the bathtub. <gasps> oh my god. Mm-hmm. Jesus. The following is a quote from Heidi Johnson, the 911 operator who took the call from Martin. He was yelling very hysterically at me. I tried to calm him down and tried to get more information, but he didn't want to stay on the line and he hung up. He yelled, I am a physician. I have initiated CPR and disconnected the phone call. Alexis had spoken to her mother that morning on the phone, at which point she sounded perfectly fine. Later that day, Martin had left a message for her telling her to call her mother immediately. When she called, it was Martin that answered the phone. And then this is a quote from Alexis. He said, your mom, she's in the tub. She's not breathing. I've called an ambulance. And then he hung up. I just started driving to the airport and I was just screaming, just screaming. He killed her. That was my first instinct. Oh my God. Once Alexis arrived at the home, she wanted to count how much of the medication was left to see if he had given Michelle too much again and caused an overdose. Martin reported the drugs were sad to look at, so someone flushed them all down the toilet. (laughs) The medical examiner declared the death as natural due to a cardiovascular disease. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm. Alexis and her sisters were surprised at how short the police investigation was. They thought a relatively healthy woman would have warranted a more lengthy investigation, but the case was closed and ruled accidental after two months. Michelle's funeral and burial were held three days after her death, where Martin forbade some of the children and family from attending. A few short weeks after Michelle's funeral, Alexis and Rachel, two of the elder children, said they would move back home to help take care of the younger children, but Martin refused, saying he had already found the perfect nanny. Enter Gypsy Jillian Willis. She met Martin online in November 2005 and found an instant chemistry between them when he asked her how much she knew about quantum physics. (laughs) What? Now... I am all down for talking about quantum physics. I am a nerd. I will happily engage in quantum physics discussion. However, that's not the best pickup line I've ever heard. <laughs> um, he never hid the fact that he was married uh, and claimed that he had the perfect life and a perfect wife. She claimed she wasn't looking for anything serious and they just had a fun sexual relationship. Can't she. All right. She conveniently moved into a duplex that Martin owned. He also gave her an unlimited credit card to help her finish nursing school, which she used for groceries and gas. God damn. She claimed she didn't see their relationship having a future. Okay. (laughs) You're just 
taking his money. Sure. You just going with the flow? I mean, sugar daddy, right? Apparently. <laughs> At the time, Martin was the medical director of the Utah State Development Center, which was a residential center for people with cognitive disorders. Uh, Martin and Gypsy had been seeing each other for just over a year before Michelle's death. Yep. And then he moved her into the house, claiming she was the new nanny, just after the funeral. So that's a warm, fuzzy feeling. Guess who was allowed at the funeral and who attended the funeral? Gypsy. Aren't we seeing an image come together? Oh my gosh, this puzzle. Three months after Michelle's death, Martin arranged for the eldest of the adopted daughters, Giselle, to return to Ukraine for the summer to visit her biological sister and her sister's husband. She was 16 at the time. While Giselle was gone, Gypsy stole Giselle's identity. Her and Martin went to court and changed Giselle's birth date by 20 years. <laughs> yep. Gypsy began going by Jillian Giselle McNeil. Wow. Yep. Martin referred to her as his daughter to some people and his wife to others. Ew, what? Mm-hmm. Their marriage date was April 14th, 2007. The day of Michelle's funeral. Oh my god. He also helped her with her $60,000 in tax debt. Mm. No surprise there. Giselle was only supposed to stay in the Ukraine for two months until returning at the end of summer break. Martin never arranged for her return. Michelle's sister, Linda, discovered Giselle was still in Ukraine and had her daughter, Jill, go find her and bring her home. This is how Jill found her cousin. Quote, There's one room, and it has a pull-out sofa bed, and it's her, her sister, her sister's husband, and their two kids, and they all share that bed. There was a little pan on the floor, and I was like, what's this in the bathroom? And she's like, that's our shower. You just stand in there. I mean, I don't even know what movie I've ever seen anything that horrible in. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Meanwhile, Alexis and Rachel were fighting with their father. They had found out about the affair a month before Michelle's death and were enraged that Gypsy was now living in the house, essentially replacing Michelle. They did not know about the identity theft at that time. Oh. Martin threatened Alexis that if she continued to fight him, he would get her kicked out of medical school and that he would take her down. Both her and Rachel were kicked out of the house without keys or shoes. He made it known that he chose Gypsy over his children. After that, their suspicions that Martin killed their mother only grew stronger. They went to authorities, the governor's office, newspaper outlets. No one would listen to their claims. As Jill, Linda, and other family members joined in pressuring authorities to reopen the case, it was finally the Utah County Prosecutor's Office that assigned two investigators to look into Michelle's death. Their names were Doug Whitney and Jeff Robinson. The first thing they did was subpoena Martin's background to investigate as much as they could, including his college and postgrad. And what did they find here, folks? Martin's entire career was based on two falsified college transcripts that allowed him to get into medical school. Hmm. He was also discharged from the military after serving only two years, ah. claiming he was schizophrenic. 
What? Mm-hmm. He had been collecting $3,000 a month from Veterans Affairs. Oh, my God. For decades. Oh. Mm-hmm. They also discovered he had been convicted of forgery and grand theft in 1978 after writing fraudulent checks to furnish a house and, quote, buy jewelry, including diamond rings and watches, 60 pairs of socks, dozens of pairs of shoes, and a year's supply of chocolate-covered cherries. <laughs> Quite the collection. <laughs> like, for real? Uh, that was a quote from Gary Ryan, who was the prosecutor of that case in 1978. Oh my god. Things were so simple back then. Oh god. I just want to hear some of the cherries. Oh my god. Oh my uh, god. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, he went to jail for six months and was on felony parole when he began medical school. And Martin and Gypsy were arrested. They pleaded guilty to the fraud charges and served three years in separate prisons. Throughout this time, the two sent each other love letters and claimed they were married. The investigation did not stop here, thank God. Uh, the two investigators convinced the Utah Medical Examiner's Office to re-examine Michelle's toxicology report, which clearly showed the inappropriate, dangerous, and unethical combination of drugs in her system. Mm. The cause of death was officially changed from natural to undetermined, which legally allowed the prosecutors to pursue criminal charges for her death. Good. Yes. Good. So two short months after Martin's return home from prison, he was taken into custody facing murder charges for Michelle's death. Wow. Applause all around. Oh, so, it took so long. It did. So Michelle died on April 11th, 2007. On October 17th, 2013, Martin was finally on trial for the murder. Better late than never. Yeah. Dr. Scott Thompson, who was the plastic surgeon, was obviously placed on the stand and asked to explain the drug combination. Now, this is a quote from an ABC 2020 special. He said he wrote the prescriptions because McNeil had asked he was a physician and he said that he would be taking care of his wife. Thompson said he would not have prescribed the medication if McNeil had been a doc had not been a doctor and that it was never his intention when he prescribed these medications that she take all of them together. So he's just like, well, he was a doctor too and he told me to do it, so I did. Oh. Like, okay, you're also a doctor. A so, real one, I might add, because Don't you have ethical choices of your own? <laughs> yeah, Martin's paperwork was falsified, so like you're a legit doctor. You and you didn't, yeah, you didn't think that was suspicious at all. Uh, the trial also brought to light how the medications were flushed after the murder. Damien, who was uh, Martin's only son, was at the home when his girlfriend, uh, sorry, was at home with his girlfriend, Eileen. Martin had asked Eileen to flush the pills. She complied because he was powerful and you would tend to trust a lawyer or a physician, never mind a man who was both. Mm -hmm. And he just lost his wife, so she thought she was helping him. She's just like, okay, you're sad. Um, like, he was apparently showing that he was really distraught at the time. Um, so she flushed the pills so that he wouldn't have to look at them. She thought she was helping. Ugh. Yeah, but like, give your head a shake, woman. Come on now. Never flush pills! Regardless of the situation. 
It's bad for our water. You can't just flush it down. Your problems won't go away. No. <laughs> You're supposed to return it to the, to the pharmacy. God. <laughs> Think of the planet. Uh. Um, another person called to the stand was Anna Osborne Walf Waltall Walthall Walthall Anna. Anyway, uh, she was another mistress. She claimed Martin would brag about how he knew how to kill someone and make it look like a naturally occurring heart attack. Lovely. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. So at this point, it's pretty hard to defend Martin's innocence. The fact that he had Gypsy assume one of his daughter's identities, left that daughter in Ukraine, uh, and wrote their marriage date as the date of Michelle's funeral, just screams guilt. Yeah. Yeah. So on November 9th, 2013, to no shock of the family, Martin McNeil was finally found guilty of obstruction of justice and first-degree murder for the drugging and drowning of Michelle. Wow. Yep. He was sentenced to 15 years to life. Uh, but he committed suicide while in prison on April 9th, 2017 in Utah State Prison, two days before the 10th anniversary of the murder. Really? hmm Wow. Maybe there was some guilt. Oh, probably. I doubt it, but... <laughs> eh, it's that, yeah. Because um, in that uh, 2020 special, um, they had said that he had, like, he just never showed any remorse or guilt or anything like that during the trial. Now for some fun facts. Alexis gave birth to twins the day the Myrtle trial the murder trial started. I can speak, I promise. <laughs> Myrtle child. Myrtle murder. Alexis gave birth to twins the day the murder trial started, and she still testified. Really? Yep. Damn. Good for her. Damn girl. Um, in 2014, Martin was also found guilty of sexually abusing Alexis in May of 2007. So right after Michelle's death. Um, Randy Spencer, Martin's defense attorney, still firmly believes that Martin is innocent of all charges and considered him a good friend. Like, okay, why? <laughs> yeah, like, maybe he... He'll get something out of it. I don't know. Martin would joke and talk throughout the trials to his attorneys, even while his daughters were on the stand. Oh my god. Gypsy never faced murder charges, and she also believes Martin was innocent of the murder. People, open your eyes. Come on now. In happier news, Alexis legally changed her last name from McNeil to Somers, which was her mother's maiden name. She graduated from medical school and is now a family physician. Mm-hmm. A real one. A real Unlike one. Like her father. Not like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. She has three children and was also able to adopt her youngest sister. So, like, the adopted sisters she then adopted as her own children. Um, so, Ada, Sabrina, and Elle. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then Rachel became a social worker. There is a large plaque on Michelle's gravestone that originally read, Words cannot describe the beloved wife of Martin selfless mother of Rachel, Vanessa, Alexis, Damien, Giselle, Elle, Sabrina, and Ada, the friend of all who knew her. She Mm -hmm. seemed to us a little above the angels. Her life was dedicated to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, to her family, and to helping all around her. Since the murder trial, the wife of Martin 
has been sanded away from the plaque to give Michelle further freedom from her killer. And then every year, the siblings get together to remember Michelle and celebrate her life with chocolate cake. Um, So that is the story of Michelle McNeil and how her husband planned and executed her murder so that he could be with his mistress and get rid of his children. (sighs) People are just... Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently he was also trying to so there were because there was four biological children and then later they adopted four other children so the um the three youngest children were still like in school so like ada was six when oh. she found the body and stuff so there was ada sabrina and l were the youngest um and still needed like full-time care which is why alexis was then able to adopt them herself um, but apparently when Giselle was in the Ukraine, um, Martin tried to put Ada, Sabrina, and Elle up for adoption to get rid of them. <gasps> Seriously? Yeah. Oh my gosh. After they just adopted children? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So that's sad. Um, but yes, yeah, so it was a horrible, horrible time for all of those kids but um they have all passed it now yes they have all um done great things with their lives from what i could tell um more is known about alexis and rachel because um they were really like the head runners of um pushing for the investigation and um they're the ones that had like super um strong testimony against their father, things like that. So, um, they were also interviewed in the 2020 special. So, more is known about them, um, because they were the ones more open and willing to talk about it and fight for the justice for their mom. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, that was a good one, Chelsea. Yeah. Alright, so, this was a wonderful summer, right? Where people could go to their lake... Um, go swimming, go tubing. You're a big fan of that, right, Chelsea? I am a big fan of everything you just said. (laughs) So what happens if you go to a lake that is trying to kill you? Like there's something in the water (laughs) is trying to kill me or the lake itself is trying to kill me? Because those are two very different horrors. Yeah, well, pretty much, yeah. Uh, people claim that this particular lake is quite haunted due to the fact that um, it was a flooded town. And in that town was also a cemetery. Oh, good. So good, going, good, 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 good. We're going to Georgia, y'all. Uh, this is called <laughs> the case of the Lake Lanier. Um, so... This lake is so vast. It is situated in Georgian, Georgia's Blue Ridge Mountains, and it hosts millions of families each year. It has Define to... vast. Because, like, we have the Great Lakes, so, like, what what their lake sh- are we talking? Their shoreline runs nine hundred or 690 miles. So that means nothing to me. They have, like, 76 recreational areas, like, marinas, campgrounds, like pretty vast pretty vast i'm googling it i want to see Google. how big it is for see, comparison. see how big it is and it's quite beautiful too sorry what was the lake called again lake lanier lanier l-a-n-i-e-r reservoir in georgia yeah 
150 kilometers squared. Great yeah. Lakes size. So it kind of looks like, I don't know, probably the size of Quartha Lakes, maybe? If you were here. Uh, so it's half the size of the city of Cleveland. There you go. Um, and one-sixth the size of Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> one-sixth. Yep. One-sixth. Just put that into perspective. So, um, the expanse of the shoreline runs, like I said, about 690 miles or a fraction of Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> One-sixth. Um, it's well known for its aqua blue colored water, breathtaking scenery, and countless recreational activities. But despite its beauty, the lake has taken a sinister reputation because of the disturbing number of unfortunate events that have occurred there. So, what are these strange occurrences and events? So, we are talking about a lot of deaths, unfortunately. So, according to the Georgia Department of Natural Resources and Law Enforcement, 57 boating fatalities took place in the reservoir while 145 people drowned to their deaths between 1998 and 2018. That's a lot. Oh, it gets worse. From 2015 to 2018, they saw 43 lake-related deaths and 128 boating accidents. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Like, what the fuck is going on over there? (laughs) Excuse my language, but holy. Um, On May 26, 2020... A 33-foot boat was navigating the waters and was hit by a 36-foot boat that was coming for help. No deaths reported, only injuries, thank God. In June 2020, a crash caused the death of a 9-year-old and a 13-year-old, and they went missing when the boat hit a pontoon. The number of deaths happening at the reservoir continues to grow every year, and fast forward to May 9th of this year, the body of a 23-year-old boater who went missing from the lake on Saturday, that Saturday, um, mm-hmm. was recovered, like, after 24 hours. The authorities said he had jumped off a pontoon boat and never came back. Oh, my God. So, like I said, there's stuff underneath that water. So, a lot of people have said that there are, like, jagged edges. There's pieces of building or pieces of stone. Like, mm-hmm. but I'm... So, it's very... You gotta drive carefully out there, else you're gonna hit something. Mm-hmm. Is this the lake where um, Naya Rivera died? Oh, no, I think that was in Florida. Okay, because I thought the lake that she died on was also like known for a lot of weird deaths or something. Yeah. Maybe I'm making that up in my brain. Oh yeah, it was California. She was in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So technically, the lake has been was built on a cemetery. Mm -hmm. So the story goes is that a mandate reservoir was created in the 1950s to provide water, hydroelectricity, and recreation opportunities to residents of Sugar Hill, a county that's like, and the rest of like Metro Atlanta. So I'm not really good with my geography, but um, let's just say We're so bad with like U.S. geography. So bad. (laughs) Sorry, U.S. guys. (laughs) Um, but to be fair, just... most American citizens have no idea about Canadian geography either. Oh yeah, true, right? They're like... I've seen TikToks of people thinking that Canada is one of the states. <laughs> I'm like, honey, we could eat you. <laughs> we have more. <laughs> We're so big. 
So to put it in perspective, just a lot of families were displaced from their homes and many communities were flooded uh, just to make way for the lake. It was officially ready in 1957 with the completion of the Burford Dam um, by like these engineers. So apart from the farms, orchids and buildings, a number of existing cemeteries and family (laughs) graveyards were also displaced. I like how you started saying orchids properly and then switched to orchids. So now it's just like giant killer orchids under a lake. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I can read. I promise. I promise. Uh, We're doing good. We're doing great, guys. What are words? What are words? It's been a great day. Oh, so good. It was a long weekend. We're just getting ready for tomorrow. Um, So an estimated 20 cemeteries were impacted by the creation of the lake. However, these displacements were done in an organized manner using detailed maps as a way to estimate boundaries of the lake. All efforts were made to relocate family graveyards and churches and cemeteries as often as possible. Like they had to, they ha- everybody had to move their family members. It was so sad. So it wasn't that they came crashing in on these things, but a lot, they left a lot of garbage, I'm presuming. Um, so over the years, several divers have reported eerie sightings under the murky waters of the lake. There are countless videos on YouTube that shows houseboats that remain sunken in the waters along with debris. Divers have also reported seeing catfish as big as Volkswagens and feeling creepy body parts in the lake. Oh my god! (laughs) Literally catfish the size of my car. That's (laughs) terrifying. I only chose this because they had Volkswagen in it. A uh, longtime diver, Buck Buchanan, uh, one of the interviewers said he felt dead in the waters of Lake Lanier. Oof, creepy. You reach out, or so he quotes, he, you reach out into the dark and you feel an arm or a leg and it doesn't move. That's creepy. Ew. <laughs> Many no people still believe that souls of the unclaimed bodies are moving beneath the surface. Out of the many suicides, drownings, and accidents at the lake, there are some bodies that haven't been found yet. Ugh. what if they're like because like if there's like a current or anything underneath some of them could just be like stuck in a building yeah just like in through a doorway just chilling so like diver divers like him and many others have shared the same belief no one claim um no claimed body means spookier waters and that's so true <laughs> nobody has been able to lay them to rest they're on the bottom of Lanier. Hopefully you find them before they find you. <laughs> Such a creepy thing to say. No, no, thank uh, you. In 1958, uh, De- Delia uh, Parker Young and Susie Roberts crashed near Jerry Jackson Bridge, one of the original structures of Lake Lanier after they lost control of their vehicle while speeding away from a local gas station without paying. Girls. The woman never made it, and, the- and 18 months later, fishermen and I saw the decomposing bloated body below the, or sorry, the woman never made it home. And 18 months later, fishermen saw the decomposing and bloated body of a woman floating in lake surface with no arms and two missing toes. That's specific. Right. The body couldn't be identified by coroners, but the locals near Dawsonville were sure it was Delia. Um... They were sure it was it was her because dozens of drivers on State Route 53 has seen her after she vanished. Um, she allegedly she allegedly appeared as a handless spirit who roamed down the highway in a blue dress. The ghost appears um, to be lost, but many who had witnessed her presence say like she's 
looking. Like, she's looking for something. Probably her missing body parts. So you can see where these myths kind of come from, too. I love how that's how the police were sure it was her body. Right. It's like, well, we're pretty sure it's her because, like, the ghost is her. The ghost is her, and, like, that's where she was doing, like, the car crash there, so. I love how, like, yeah, can you... Uh, it's like confirming the body like when like in a tv show where like you take the family member like into the medical examiner's room and you like see the body on the slab and it's like hey can you just like stand here for a while and like tell us if that ghost is this person (laughs) great yeah we'll accept that 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 passes in the court of law we're good uh and so when they did find her 1954 fold Ford model, um, they did see Susie's bones there. Dental records verified the identity, and the handless body that had bu- that had buried in the past was uh, relabeled with Delia's name. <laughs> As for Susie, some say she can still be spotted wandering back rows on State Route 53, making her way from Dawsonville to the top of the bridge. Spooky, spooky, spooky lake. Visit if you dare. Well, uh, yes, obviously I want to go. <laughs> I just want to go scuba diving. I want so I my see brain stuff is there. Yeah, my brain is going like full fledged on its own ride here. So I have played most of the Assassin's Creed games, Ooh. and you can like swim underwater for a lot of them. And like, if depending on where you are in the world, some of them will be like, okay, like you're swimming through like old ruins. Um, in the ocean or in a lake or something so you're swimming through and you like there's always like floating bodies of people who have tried getting something or were tricked by a witch or whatever so you're just like swimming through or like a city that has been taken over by water just from um passage of time and stuff so you can literally swim through an old underwater town and see basically what you've been describing. Yeah. So I'm like, I could do that in real life. Well, they have that, like, in Tobermory, right? Where you can see the sh- uh, ship wreckage? Yeah, you can do that um, oh. in Lake Simcoe, where I grew up, too. There's um, a few ships right in the lake there. That's so cool. I would I would totally do that. I want to do mm-hmm. some scuba diving. Um, I do have my scuba diving license, but the Ooh. only reason I haven't gone to do it in Lake Simcoe is because I've only ever gone scuba diving like in southern places where it's pretty clear and <laughs> colorful. And I'm scared that if once I see underwater in Lake Simcoe, I'm never gonna want to go in it again. <laughs> I'm scared I'm scared of pike. Everything's just green and brown. And fish with big teeth. <laughs> well, yeah, but like I've swam in the ocean with like barracudas and stuff. So. Ooh, spooky. And a bull yeah. shark. I would do that. I would do that. It was so much fun. And yeah, so that was no problem. Um, And yet, I feel uneasy about going to my local lake. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, but it's murky and green. I'm okay, thanks. I'm okay with that. Thank you very much. Thank you, next. (laughs) (sighs) Alrighty. I will see you. I will see you tomorrow. Have a lovely evening. Goodbye, friends. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now.